And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and less to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from 1948. Then, Brett Morrison stars as Lamont Cranston, and Grace Matthews stars as the lovely Margot Lane on a mystery detective adventure of The Shadow. And by my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. And I was thinking it wouldn't be like me if I didn't uh, have some Broadway news because oh. Broadway Lisa strikes again. Yeah, what's so going on? So I bet you were wondering. Yeah, I just, uh, I can't sleep at night. That's what I thought. I don't thought. know what's going on. Let me on help you out to get with, a good uh, night's sleep. With Broadway, yeah, and mm-hmm. Hamilton and everything else. Yes, exactly. But this is about the game Monopoly. Uh-huh. And it's be going to be Monopoly the musical is yeah. coming to Broadway. Really? Now, isn't that exciting? I want to know when Twister's coming to Broadway. Well, that I'd go and see. You know, this might be a little more interesting. We're going to bring those little Monopoly pieces to life. Uh-huh. And I kid you not, just today, I was playing Monopoly with my daughter. Right. I was the race car. I was playing Twister, but not with your daughter. I would hope not. And not with you. That's a good thing, okay, too. go ahead. My husband was the little battleship, and yeah. my daughter was the dog, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I'm a fan of Monopoly, so um, this is a new partnership between Hasbro and the Araka Group, which does Broadway producing and merchandising. Uh-huh. So this will include Broadway and national tours and amusement parks and cruise ships and licensed content. It goes on and on. So, so they basically are monopolizing this. Exactly. Uh-huh. Now you've got it. It's really similar to what, the Lego movies have done for Lego. Right. Um, this will be in Monopoly. I think it's going to be a big hit. It's going mm-hmm. to be a few years yet well, in the making. Well, if Lisa says it's going to be a big hit. I, I think I have my sights set on it. I think it sounds like a winner. We'll see. I predict that Hamilton's going to be successful. What do you think of that? Wow. I don't know. You know, a musical based on Alexander ah, Hamilton that's all that rap. How could that be? I don't know. All right. Well, we'll thanks, Lisa Wolf. <laughs> Let's get back now to the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. We started this last time. Let's go back to October 24th, 1948 for the live steer on the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. Hey, Remley, we're blocking traffic. Can't you get this rump roast to move a little faster? <laughs> Maybe if you got off and pushed it, it'd help. <laughs> hey, Curly, look, we're at the market already. Already, he says, already. Mm-hmm. It's taking us two hours to go a half a mile. Now, let's get off and take him over to meat market. I hope nobody sees us with this Hi, thing. Hi, Mr. Harris. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Julius. Hi, kid. Good to see you, Mr. Remley. You too, Mrs. Remley. Mrs. Remley? It's possible. (laughs) I've seen you out 
it's strange you're looking things in <laughs> you two. Break it up. Let's break it up. Hey, kid, where's the butcher that owns this meat market? He's at the market across the street buying lamb chops for his wife. He buys his meat across the street? Yeah, he can't afford to buy it here. What do you want with him? I want him to slaughter the stair. So, you're leaving Rexall and going on the beat meat, meat business, huh? <laughs> Smart move, Mr. Harris. You'll make an excellent butcher. Wait a minute. I ain't leaving Rexall and I ain't going in the neat business either. <laughs> I knew all the time he wasn't that old. Neat <laughs> I'm not going in no meat business. I wouldn't know how to butcher anything. I heard your program last Sunday and I begged to differ with you. <laughs> anyway, the butcher can't slaughter it for you. You gotta have that done by the packing company downtown. Downtown? How are we gonna get him downtown? I'll wrench his my delivery truck. All it'll cost you is 20 bucks. 20 bucks? Hey, Remley, this thing is adding up. Well, we gotta have the truck. Here's your 20, kid. Hey, he's actually got the dough. <laughs> you must have got your allowance from Miss Faye. Yeah, I can't get no allowance from Miss Faye. And don't worry, there's plenty more where that came from. So long, kid. Uh, wait a minute, there's something stamped on this money. There is? What does it say? This $20 bill was stolen from the purse of Alice Faye. Stop <laughs> Hey, Remley, let's get out that packing house. We don't slaughter cattle for individuals as a rule, Mr. Harris, but I guess we can accommodate you this time. Oh, gee, thanks, mister. I'll take the steer. Gee. Kind of... Kind of hate to see him go. I've... Become sort of attached to him. Stop slobbering. <laughs> go on, bossy. Go with the man. Go on. Oh, go on, will you? This ain't no attitude to take. The man ain't gonna hurt you. Oh, Frankie, how can you lie to the animal like that? <laughs> Let me talk to him. Bossy. I know, I know, I know, I know how you feel. But, but that's life. Horns up, old boy. You, 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 you've just got to face these things and, and, and be brave. Mr. Harris, are you related to this steer? I'm not related. It just just breaks my heart to have you to have you slaughter him and cut him up. Would you rather take him to a mortician and have him laid out? <laughs> for crying out loud, let the man take him. Come on, boy. You gentlemen wait here. I'll have him ready for you soon. <laughs> well, Mr. Harris, your steer has been slaughtered and cleaned. That will be fifty-five dollars, please. Fifty-five dollars? But I... 
Oh, well, I guess it's worth it. I still have 1,100 pounds of prime beef. Not exactly. <laughs> you realize in slaughtering, there's a little waste. Oh, sure, of course. Certainly. I expected that. Uh, what does it weigh now? 600 pounds. Six? But it weighed 1,100. What happened to the rest of it? Well, in cleaning, there's a shrinkage. What did you use, a cheap dry cleaning fluid? <laughs> This thing is now costing me 80 cents a pound. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's still less than a buck and a half, Curly. We'll take our meat, mister. Like this? Don't you want it dressed? No, we'll eat it nude. <laughs> but you can't eat it like this. You have to have it dressed. All right. Oh, that's okay, mister. That's all right. Now, we'll... How much does that cost? Wait! Whisper it to me. Lay it on me lightly. <laughs> Well, it shouldn't be too much. We can have it dressed for you for uh, $85. Hey, who's going to dress it, Adrian? <laughs> we'll take it to the Star Outfitting Company. They do a cheaper job. Quiet. <laughs> leave the man alone. Look, mister, go ahead and dress it and cut it. Anything just so I get my steaks and chops. Steaks and chops? Don't you want any other cut of the Look, steak? mister, please, don't argue with me. I don't feel too good. Will you just get me my steaks and chops? If that's what you want, very well. Well, Mr. Harris, your steaks and chops are all cut and packaged for well, you. Thank goodness. Come on, Frankie, let's get the 600 pounds on the truck before we... Right. Um, uh, hmm? um, uh, mister... Uh, we do have 600 pounds, don't we? Not exactly. <laughs> uh, how much? 100 pounds. You only wanted steaks and chops, you know. But only 100 pounds. I told you steer weight only 100 pounds. I told will you keep... <laughs> Look, mister, let's forget the whole thing. Glue my steer together and I'll take him home, will you? <laughs> Brimley, you got me into all this. Buy a steer, save money, 30 cents a pound, enough for two years. Look, I never want to see you again. Mister, give me my meat. I'll take it. Like this? Oh! Oh, I know I'm a sucker for asking, but what now? Well, for this much meat, you'll have to have it quick frozen. You'll need a locker. And for only $120 a year, we can let you have one of our best lockers. A locker yet? Look, I just want to eat this steer. I don't want him to join a country club. <laughs> I know he's a pedigreed steer, but do we, does he have to be a social butterfly? But, Mr. Harris... All right, all right. I'm too weak to argue. I'm trying to save money, and now these steaks are costing me over $7.50 a pound. Remley, this is all your fault. My fault? I can't help it if you pay black market prices for me. <laughs> you know something? If I wasn't sick, well, I'd you right yourself. to know. It's guys like I, you that cause inflation. Me, you brought a time like this, it's up to you every brought citizen. You in my house. You had him coming all over. I need you have meat the nerve like I need a whole day. What are you trying to tell me? My poor head, I'm so sick. Now, now, take it easy, honey. He'll be all right, won't he, Doctor? Yes, he just suffered a shock to his nervous system, resulting in a slight case of high blood pressure. Mm. All he needs is rest, fresh air, and lots of nourishment. Nourishment? Well, cost me a fortune, but at least it wasn't wasted. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got a hundred pounds of meat to help build me up. Uh, Mr. Harris, one other thing. Yes. No meat for six months. <laughs> Stay tuned to this station for the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy show, which follows immediately. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's the conclusion to the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from October 24th, 1948 with the live steer starring Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Also in the cast, Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, and Whitfield and Gail Gordon with Bill Foreman doing the announcing for Rexall is heard on NBC. Let's take a break. Then the shadow will be here. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to hollywood 360 Radio. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360Radio.com. Hello, this is Stacy Keach, the host of the Twilight Zone radio dramas. You can purchase and download classic Twilight Zone episodes with new casts and new audio production exclusively here at TwilightZoneRadio.com. Log on to our new and improved official Twilight Zone Radio Dramas website at TwilightZoneRadio.com where you can download three Twilight Zone Radio Dramas absolutely free. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf to my right, Mike Costello to my left. That's the Hollywood 360 team, and it's time now for The Shadow. Are you ready for this, Lisa? Yes, definitely. The Shadow was one of radio's most popular series. He was first heard in the 1930s as a mysterious radio narrator of crime stories from Street and Smith magazine. Eventually, The Shadow was fully developed and transformed into a pop culture icon by Walter B. Gibson. By 1937, The Shadow was the alter ego of Lamont Cranston, multi-millionaire playboy. Cranston had learned the secret of invisibility by clouding men's minds so they could not see him. He used this hypnotic power to fight crime. Orson Welles was radio's first Lamont Cranston, a role that eventually went to Bill Johnstone and Brett Morrison. Cranston's constant companion was the lovely Margot Lane. She was the only person who knew his true identity. A radio mainstay, the shadow proved that crime does not pay until 1954. We have a 1948 episode for you now starring Brett Morrison, who had the role the longest on radio. Brett Morrison did. This is called The Giant of Madras from May 16th of 1948. Here's part one now of The Shadow.
but evil lurks in the hearts of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> Once again, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you the thrilling adventures of The Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcefully to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The Shadow, who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret, the hypnotic power to cloud men's minds or they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Giant of Madras. At 9.15 of a stormy spring evening, Lamont and Margot were sitting in the lounge car of a deluxe transcontinental train. Lamont, can you imagine what these vast plains were like a hundred years ago? Uh-huh. Yeah, vast. Oh. No, but think of all the troubles the people in those days had. And the adventures. Fording streams, fighting Indians, herds of buffalo. Mm, quite a life. And today you just get in a train and whisk across them, safe as a bug in a rug. Oh, I think a bug was equally as safe in a covered wagon. Oh. There's been quite an improvement as far as human beings are concerned. But you really prefer all this civilization? Hmm, it's restful. But just a little dull, don't you think? <laughs> Perhaps. But I wouldn't be able to think at all with a Sue's tomahawk buried in my skull. No, I guess that would be a disadvantage. <laughs> Maybe I'm just sleepy. Oh, it reminds me, so am I. Oh, conductor. Yes, sir? Do you have the porter make up our berths, please? Lower 10 and lower 11 in car 15. Certainly, sir. And uh, when do you want to be called? Let's see, we'll be coming into our station at 155. Uh... Better call us at 1.30. Very well, sir. I'll tell the porter. Oh, better call us at 1. I'll need time to get ready. Oh, of course. All right, conductor. Call us at 1. Time and the mile slipped by. And it was a little after 12 when... The train blew for a water stop three miles ahead. Now, this was usually a very deserted locality, this water stop. However, tonight it wasn't so deserted. In fact, if you counted the men, there were a half dozen of them. You hear that? She's coming. It's her. On time. Everybody know what they're supposed to do? Hickey? Yes. Spider? Yeah. Radner? Sure. Cardi? Yeah. Jackson? Yeah. Okay. No slips now, no nerves. Uniform set. Conductors, firemen, porters. Uniforms all set, Gannon. Okay. You all know the man you're going to pick when you get aboard. Find him, take care of him, and start looking. It's going to be a little tough finding it, Gannon. Yeah. How are we going to locate it? He won't be wearing it on his forehead. Once we take over, that'll work itself out. Here she comes. Right on a button. Anybody getting yellow, there's a time to back out. All right. Keep your finger on your trigger and your safety catch off. Nobody sells anyone else short. We're a cinch for a million bucks. You hear me? A million bucks. We hear you, Gannon. Okay, then. Move in. That's the first portion of The Shadow with the Giant of Madras. We'll have the conclusion after these words. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to The Shadow. Lamont. Lamont. Huh? Who's that? Lamont, please wake up. Margo, what are you doing up? What time is it? I don't know. Wait a minute, I'll look at my watch. Uh, just 12 minutes after 10. After 10? Well, of course not. Your watch is stopped. Huh? Oh, yeah, so it has. It looks awfully much like it's getting to be morning. Morning? That's impossible. I told the conductor to tell the porter to wake us at 1 a.m. It isn't possible that he forgot to tell the porter. Oh, ye gods, I hope not. He could have, and we could already be hundreds of miles past our station. Wait a minute, I'll ring for the conductor. Won't help you much. Why not? He doesn't come. I've been ringing for the last half hour. Well, he's probably snoozing in the lounge car. I'll go see. Oh, there's nobody in here, apparently. Appearances are often deceiving, huh? my young friend. I didn't see you sitting there in the shadows. There are times in life when the value of inconspicuousness cannot be overrated. Huh? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm looking for the conductor. Of course you are. Several passengers have passed through here in... Search of that same gentleman in blue. Have you seen him? Not a sign of him. The fact is, my young friend, I fear we are all in for a bit of a blow. Yes? Yes. Tell me, are you an honest man? Well, I, uh, I filched a brace of candy bars on my ninth birthday. Spotless record. <laughs> Most interesting. Uh, what's even more interesting is the whereabouts of that conductor. He was supposed to wake us at one o'clock. Then I fear he has failed you utterly. What do you mean? The night has grown much older than one o'clock. Well, my watch has stopped. Uh... On the other hand, mine has not. There. It has chimed the quarter of the hour. Oh, let's see. Quarter of... Oh, no. But, yes. Why, it's incredible. Not incredible, my young friend. Human events proceed with irresistible logic. Some steal while others pray. So runs the world away. But a quarter of five, we must be halfway across the continent. Better than half. Oh, where is the conductor? Where is he? Uh, that is what many would like to know. Well, I'll find out. The best of luck, my young friend. Conductor! Conductor! Shh! Who's that? You wake everybody up, sir. Uh, you were calling me? Yes, where'd you turn up from? Oh, I just come through the lounge car right behind you, sir. Uh... What can I do for you? My name is Lamont Cranston. Are you the man I told to call us at one o'clock? Uh, no, but I relieved that fellow a little after midnight. And he didn't tell you about our call? Uh, sure, sure. I, I was going to call you, sir. When? When we got to Malibu Beach? No. One o'clock. One o'clock? Yeah, I got 15 minutes yet. It's only 12.45. Look, friend, it's getting to be morning. Oh, you mean because of the way the sky looks? That's not morning, Mr. Cranston. That's light from some industrial plants just over the horizon. Look, it happens I know what time it is. The bald-headed gentleman with the monocle sitting in the lounge car showed me his watch. It's quarter of five. What's that about a bald-headed gentleman in a lounge car? He's sitting in the shadows by the bar. Didn't you see him? It's funny. Uh, no, I didn't. Well, you must not have looked. He's there. I'm used to keeping my eyes open, Mr. Cranston. If you ask me, that lounge car is empty. I just talked to the gentleman. Are you by any chance suggesting I'm out of my mind? One of us is. Shall we go see which, Mr. Cranston? All right, here we are. Where'd you say he was sitting? Right here, beside the... I told you there was nobody here. Well, he was here. He probably left the car at the other end. The passenger couldn't leave this car at the other end. Because next ahead is the baggage car, and that door ain't left open. 
Now, if I was you, I'd get myself a little more sleep, Mr. Cranston. Pardon me, miss. Mark, what's going on? He was here, sitting right here. Where could he have gone? What are you talking about? I just had a somewhat peculiar experience, Margot, that... There was a little man sitting here not ten minutes ago. He showed me his watch. Mm-hmm. I remember it rang the quarter of the hour. It's one of those old-fashioned ones that chime. So? Well, now he's disappeared. Well, before we go any further with the fairy story, did you find out what time it is? The conductor says it's not one o'clock yet, but by the stranger's watch, it would now be just about five o'clock. And... Listen. What's that? It's him. That's his watch chiming. Well, where is he? Under the seat? No, he isn't. His watch is. Look, this is it. This is the watch he showed me. The crystal's all smashed. The hour hand's broken off. It must have fallen. It's more like somebody gave it the business with a sledgehammer. You there? You there? You there? Are you here? I beg your pardon, young people. I am looking for my husband. Have you seen him, perhaps? Probably. A small gentleman with no hair wearing a monocle? Yes. What have you done with him? Now, wait a minute. The question is, what has he done to me? What do you mean? Well, he vanished practically in front of my eyes. Vanished? Yes, he was sitting right here by the bar. I stepped outside for a few minutes. When I came... What's that? Who's there? It's coming from inside this liquor closet. It is him. It is him. Wait a minute, give me room. Uh, Are you all right in there? This door is stuck. There. Out of my way. Oh, he's hurt. You said... Who did this? The giant. Giant of mothers. What happened to it? I... I... This young man here... He took it? No? No, no, my my young friend did not take it. He did not take it. He, he only... Yusef, quickly, it's falling. What? Yusef, Yusef, speak to me. The diamond, Yusef, speak to me. Spoken about as much as could be expected, considering the fact there's a knife between his shoulder blades. He's dead. Oh, Lamont. He would not want us to mourn him. It is the giant we must think of. The giant of Madras. There's a giant in this too? Not giant man. Giant jewel. Diamond pure white. Flat circular cut. 25 carat. 25 carat? Yusef, purchasing agent to his holy majesty, Mahatma Maharaja of Kutpur. And he has this diamond on him? Yes, on his person. Even I did not know how he was carrying it. Perhaps in his shoe... Perhaps a money belt, perhaps. Perhaps on the back of his watch. Yes, perhaps. Let me see it. I'll take that watch. What? My friend, the conductor. The one o'clock scholar. Come on, he's got a gun. Let's have the timepiece, Cranston. Not trying to pretend it's yours. He ain't pretending nothing. I got a gun in this hand. I want that watch in the other. I'm sorry. We have a special use for this particular timepiece. Hand over the watch, Cranston, and hand it over fast, or you'll never know what time it is. Margot and Lamont on a deluxe transcontinental train, discover the body of an East Indian gentleman locked in the lounge car liquor cabinet. The fabulous diamond called the Giant of Madras, which he was carrying with him, has disappeared. Cranston, the East Indian's wife, and Margot are about to examine the dead man's huge, old-fashioned watch for the diamond when... I'll take that watch, Cranston. Well, if it isn't my friend, the conductor... Come on, he's got a gun. Hand over the watch, Cranston. Hand it over fast or you'll never know what you time it is. You have bad manners to turn your back on an old lady. Hmm? However, the old lady has a gun at your spine and suggests you keep your back turned. Put, relieve him of the firearm, Mr. Cranston. Right. Now then, we will perhaps store him in the closet for safekeeping until we have a better idea of what is going on on this train, no? It's a good idea. Come on. Wait a minute. Step lively, Mr. Conductor. There's plenty of room inside. 
What's he doing? He did his signal. Maybe he has friends aboard. Listen for a stop to that. Good work, young friend. Now. There we are. He certainly wanted Yusef's watch, yes. Yes, he probably agreed with my deduction the giant of Madras may be inside it. Very likely. Why don't we look and see? One moment. Well, it is not here. Well, then where in the world can it be? I don't know. But whoever killed him wouldn't have left it in his pockets. Someone on train has the diamond. Come on, look. What? A station just flashed by. What station? Galensville. And there's no Galensville. What kind of talk is that? I was looking at the rail map, reading myself to sleep. There is no Galensville on this route. Never a dull moment. Though I'd appreciate a few just now. Well, as far as I can see... Listen. Someone knocking. It's from the car up ahead, the baggage car. What is wrong? It's a question I can soon answer. Stay behind with Alamago. I'll do nothing of the kind. I'm going with you. But uh... don't argue. Okay, you win. We'll leave you in charge, Ara. Good luck. Go with you, young friend. Someone's locked in the baggage car. If I can just snap this catch. There. I'll go. Stand away, sweetheart. The storm warnings are up. Who are you? You're not one of them. Are you? Are you? Look, Lamont, it's a conductor. You're passengers, aren't you? Now, what else could we be? Murderers, bandits, heaven only knows. What are you talking about? There are six of them, led by some man they call Ganlin. They're after a 25-carat diamond. Where are they? Everywhere. They've taken over. They've stopped the train about midnight. Put me and the rest of the crew out of the way and are running the train themselves. Well, the murdered little man, the conductor with a gun in his hand? Yes, everything's as clear as a well-praised death warrant. What are we going to do? Best we can do is to pray we reach Los Angeles alive. I'm not at all sure we're even going there. What do you mean? We just past a station that's not on the Los Angeles itinerary. What? What station? Galensville. Galensville, no. What's the matter? They've made a mistake. They've taken the North Spur at the junction. The Galensville route doesn't connect with the main tracks for another 50 miles. Well, so what? There's a bridge on this route over Belvedere Canyon. The bridge collapsed at 11 o'clock last night. We just got the flash five minutes before they took the train over. No. And Belvedere Canyon is a drop of 2,000 feet. Lamont. Easy, darling. How far ahead is this bridge? It's only 20 miles from Galensville. Well, looks like we have to stop this train. We've got a fat chance. There are five armed men against it. Five? Sure. For a half a dozen to begin with, and one of them got knocked off in the scuffle. And I just locked one of our little playmates in the liquor closet in the lounge car. Where are they now, the remaining four? Probably up ahead in the engine. Well, Lamont, maybe we could talk to them, reason with them, explain to them that we're all going down together at the bottom of Belvedere Canyon. They're too slick to believe the truth. They think it was some kind of a gag. What do you suggest? Gosh, I don't know. But, uh, I think the easiest way would be if Gandlin and his boys found what they were looking for. They got hold of the diamond, we could make a deal with them to stop in the stretch of pine woods just this side of Belvedere Bridge. But we don't know where the diamond is. Are you sure? What? Are you sure you don't know where the diamond is? Of course we are. Speak for yourself, darling. What do you mean? I mean, I'm not so sure we don't know where the diamond is. But... Is the door open going into the next car? Yes. Okay, see you later. Hey, what are you going to do? I'm going to try to make a deal with those boys in the locomotive. Stay here, Marco. Not in your life. Now, look... I'm going wherever you go. Okay. Coming along, mister? No, I'll risk it back here. I never developed a taste for hot lead. Just as you please. If we crash at Belvedere Bridge, you'll know the deal fell through. Come on, look. The door at the end of the car's open. You can see straight through the controls of the locomotive. Quick, get over into the shop. This must be the Gamlin boys. Funny. Huh? What is? I only see three of them. Three will be plenty. I wonder. What? Remember the man we locked in the liquor closet? Yes. Remember that whistle? Yes. What about it? I think it might prove no end valuable in this particular emergency. Anyhow, it's worth a try. Lamont, they'll hear you. Just what I wanted to do. Maybe they'll come back to investigate. 
Mullen's coming. First candidate for a fractured jaw. Keep in the shadows. Hickey! Hickey, where are you? It's me, Radner. Hickey! Hickey, where are you? Hey, Hickey, why don't you answer me? What if it's not Hickey? There's one less hoodlum to worry about. What happens now? A rebroadcast for our next playmate. the second candidate. Hickey! Hickey, what's happening? Radner, are you there? Answer me, somebody. Spider sent me. This is Garrity. Glad to meet you, Mr. Garrity. Oh. You're not Hickey? You bet I'm not. <laughs> Two up from outside. Now what? The next feature is an interview with a gentleman named Spider who seems to be in charge of operations. Come on. Who is that, Radner? No. Garrity? No. Then who is it? My name is Lamont Cranston. What is it? There's a bridge a few miles ahead over Belvedere Canyon, Spider. There are enough rails missing to let us drop 2,000 feet. I think you better start slowing down. What are you giving me? The truth. Put on those brakes. Look, mister, we're aboard to lay hands on a certain piece of merchandise. That's all we got in our minds just at the moment. That piece of merchandise wouldn't be the giant of Madras, would it? So you're wise. Suppose I was to tell you how to lay your hands on the merchandise in question, Spider. You mean you know where the diamond is? Could be. Slow down and we'll talk. Well, it's talk now, Mr. Cranston. Come on, it's our conductor from the baggage car. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, the Mr. Gannon we've been hearing so much about. Where's the diamond, Cranston? You'd better talk fast. There's not much time. I've changed my mind. I've forgotten where the diamond is. Lamont. The canyon is less than a quarter of a mile away, just around the bend. Maybe you'd better tell him, Lamont. No. It's not just our lives. There are 80 passengers aboard. The lady's right. They're rounding the curb. Mark, we're in that stretch of pine woods he told us about. There's a tunnel straight ahead. Ready to talk, Cranston? I told you no. If you want me to stop, boss, better tell me now. Another 50 yards, you'll be too late to change your mind. Come on, Cranston, crack. No. Lamont, it's the tunnel. Where's the giant madness? Forget it. Okay, Spider. Let her go. Through the tunnel, we didn't fall. The tracks went out. You made that up to trick Lamont into telling you where the diamond was. I won't trick him anymore. I'll use a gun instead. Come on, Cranston West. Hey, where is he? He was standing right there. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Where's that coming from? Right here, beside the controls. But there's nobody there. There's someone here, Gatlin. The shadow is here. Here to see that this little adventure ends in proper justice. Stop the train, Spider. Let's get out of this. Hey! I can't stop it. Something is holding my hand. I can't move. Stop it, dear. Here. I can't, Catlin. I'm holding him. This train goes down to the mainline junction and the next police station. Yeah? That's a game two can play. Oh. Come here. Shadow, help. Now, trench fighter Luther, this thing goes over the side. This time it's no trick. I'll give you the count of three. One, two, three. Shadow! Oh. You at the controls. Sit where you are. What? What happened? I am sorry to have waited until the last minute. But I am an old woman, and I have never killed before in my whole life. Oh, don't apologize. I, I'll never be able to thank you enough. You do not have to thank me. If you will help me find the giant of madness. You will not have to look for it, Ira. What? What voice is this? The giant of madness is not lost. 
Your husband was a good and quick judge of human nature. In the emergency, knowing that the train had been taken over by thieves with the express purpose of stealing the diamond, he entrusted it to Mr. Cranston's care by the simple expedient of dropping it into his pocket. Here is the jewel. Look. Look, the giant of matches. It is coming towards me, suspended in the air. No one is holding it. Look. Yes, someone is holding it. I am holding it, Arthur. I am returning it to you. You? Who are you? I am the shadow. Well, Margot, it's been quite a night. I'll say it has. I'm so tired I can nearly die. Well, you mustn't complain. We're lucky to be alive, if you ask me. Very lucky. Uh... What are you thinking about, darling? The scenery outside. Vast plains going by. Hmm? What about them? I was just thinking about the pioneers. What an easy time they really had. Hmm? No streamlined trains. No giants of madras. No Mr. Ganlon. All they did was to travel around in comfortable covered wagons with nothing to be afraid of but wild buffaloes and Indians. (laughs) This story is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, the shadow will demonstrate that... The weed of crime. There's bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows... (laughs) and that's the shadow from may 16 1948 with a giant of madras starring brett morrison as lamont cranston alias the shadow with grace matthews as the lovely margot lane also in the cast santos ortega with andre barouche doing the announcing sponsored by blue coal as heard on the mutual broadcasting system let's take a break then it's more here on hollywood 360 More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. I'm Dan Jaffe, CEO of Cat's Pride Fresh and Light Premium Cat Litter. Ever wonder why your cat likes to scratch? We'll look into it after this. Hi, I'm Katherine Heigl, film and television actress and producer and CEO of the Jason Debus Heigl Foundation. A supporter of animal rights, our foundation is excited to announce our partnership with Cat's Pride Cat Litter. Cat's Pride has always been a major supporter of the organizations like the American Humane Association and the Anti-Cruelty Society. And today, a portion of every sale of Cat's Pride Fresh and Light Ultimate Care will be donated to support our work protecting the rights and eliminating the needless suffering of animals in shelters across the country. It's great litter and it supports a great cause. 
Cats don't scratch furniture to be disobedient. They scratch to mark their territory. It's also a good way to sharpen their claws. So don't discourage Kitty's normal feline instincts. Instead, make the item she's been clawing unappealing physically or by scent. Then, get a scratching post and let her indulge that cat scratch fever. Log on to CatsPride.com to download coupons and be sure to join the Cats Pride Club. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Hello, this is Stacy Keach, the host of the Twilight Zone radio dramas. You can purchase and download classic Twilight Zone episodes with new casts and new audio production exclusively here at twilightzoneradio.com. Log on to our new and improved official Twilight Zone Radio Dramas website at twilightzoneradio.com where you can download three Twilight Zone Radio Dramas absolutely free. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to hollywood 360 radio and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. You are about to enter another dimension, a digital dimension not only of sound but of mind, a journey into a wondrous land of listening and imagination. Next stop, the Twilight Zone radio dramas on twilightzoneradio.com. Log on to our new and improved official Twilight Zone Radio Dramas website at twilightzoneradio.com where you can download three Twilight Zone Radio Dramas absolutely free. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. That's going to do it for this edition of Hollywood 360, but next week we'll be right back here in the studio to present Mr. District Attorney, the Jack Benny program, The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, 
Michael Shane, Detective, Fibber McGee and Molly, and Suspense. For my co-host Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Costella, engineer Sam Wolf, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West and me, Carl Amari, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking. 